You are listening to Intersections with Phil Allen Jr., engaging the issues that matter at the intersection of race, culture, and theology. We are back in business. I want to welcome all you listeners. Um, I know we, we took a break. I stopped without warning, and I apologize. I was a bit overwhelmed heading into the summer. Uh, we took a long summer break, uh, but we're back. We're here for more episodes of Intersection. Um, I was overwhelmed, to be honest with you. Working on this doctoral program, I had writing projects, multiple writing projects at the same time. Um, I just needed to rest. I needed to put down recording podcast episodes for a while and just rest. Uh, I didn't mean for it to be as long as it, as it was, as, as it had been, um, but I, I needed to rest. And um, I want to jump back into everything this fall. I have a great series coming up over the next month or so. Um, but I do have a few things, uh, important things I want to share with you today. So I'm going to dive right in. I won't keep you too long in this particular episode. But I think there's some things that are important to, for us to reflect on. Um, you know, so far in 2021, it's been a year of highs and lows. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure, actually, not just for me, but for many people. January 6th started off at the Capitol. Um, it was a, a traumatic event that only compounded the trauma of the ongoing pandemic which during that time we, we were reaching the peak, the height, the worst of the pandemic, um, compounding the trauma of watching videos, not just George Floyd's video, but several afterwards of unarmed African-Americans being shot and killed, um, watching the videos of Asian, of anti-Asian violence um, that is, should, should infuriate all of us should anger all of us. Um, it's been a, an emotionally draining um, year so far. And the more people are isolated, distanced and disconnected from others, uh, the more there's been an increase in mental health issues. And that's where I kind of want to go over the next month or so. I'll touch on it today, but that's where we're going over the next month or so. Uh, there's been an increase in depression. There's actually, um, according to the Journal of American Academy of Pediatrics, there's been a 34% increase in reporting suicide ideation among teenagers, especially females. Um, a year ago this time, 40% of U.S. citizens reported struggling with mental health or substance use. Again, in the midst of the pandemic, all of our rhythms, what we saw as normal life had been disrupted, isolated, stay-at-home orders, social distancing was taking its toll. And it has been even, and I said in January, my first episode of 2021, I said, the pandemic doesn't pay attention. I'm paraphrasing a bit. The pandemic does not pay attention to our uh, dates, our calendar, just because it's January, you know, people thought 2021 is going to be a great year. We're going to go in. It's going to be different. And the pandemic took off. And I say it's a year of ups and downs. 
Um, for me personally, it's been um, it's been some 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 lows. It's been it's been tiring. It's been draining, as I shared. But it's also been um, some milestones for me. You know, I have several. I talked about writing projects. I have several papers being published in academic journals coming out later this year. That was a big deal for me. Um, I was able to sign another contract to, for a second book that I'm actually working on right now. Um, I progressed in my PhD candidacy, passing seemed like countless comprehensive exams, and now I'm starting to work on my dissertation. But even with those milestones and some other really good things that were happening in my life, I'm still not immune to the effects of persistent drama, divisiveness, political rhetoric that is often interwoven with racist ideology. I have to be vigilant about my own mental health during this pandemic. And I'm especially tired of the reasons why we can't get past this pandemic, why we can't get to the other side. We were, it felt like we were there, but now we're back with hundreds of thousands of, of cases a day. But I'm reading and hearing about people invoking this idea of, of, of their freedoms being under attack. You know, he, seeing it on, on the news, reading it on social media. People manipulating scripture to fit their political views. And this happens actually no matter what side of the aisle you stand. I've seen it on both sides. But I want to focus on, on where I hear it the most, this idea of freedom. And I think you know where I'm going with this. I've even heard pastors link the freedom that is spoken about theologically in the Bible with the freedoms we are privileged to have in this country. And I think this is a subtle attempt, or maybe a not so subtle attempt, at underscoring the belief that the U.S., the United States of America, is a Christian nation. And somehow the freedom to do whatever, we, whatever one desires is God-ordained, regardless of how those freedoms affect others. So Christians now use this to justify what they think is their right to do whatever they want, whether it impacts the community or not. Any mandate or law that they deem an infringement upon their freedom is rejected with the argument of personal freedoms. So to wear a mask, to socially distance, or to get vaccinated is taking away their freedoms, even though to not wear a mask, to not socially distance, or to not get vaccinated impacts the health of their neighbors and continues, if not amplifies, the spread of, of COVID. And there are countless laws on the books for years throughout the history of this country that limit freedoms so that the community is not adversely affected by any uh, by an individual's behavior or any individual's behavior. And I say that because here's the truth. Everyone's freedom is limited. Everyone's freedoms are contingent upon how a behavior impacts others. Every time we walk into a private business, our freedoms are determined by that owner. There are things that we can or cannot do. Every time we're in a public space that we must share with others, our freedoms are limited. 
There's certain places even outside near certain uh, restaurants and or buildings, office buildings where you can't smoke. You have to go somewhere, some corner in the back of the building somewhere to smoke because it affects others. The, the, the secondhand smoke affects others. So everywhere, our freedoms are limited to some degree. No one has complete autonomy in a society. And the Bible doesn't even teach that. In fact, the Bible teaches what is good, not just for any good given person, but especially what is good for the shalom or the well-being of the community. For example, when you read the Ten Commandments, most people that I hear or have conversations with, the Ten Commandments are about, again, individuals taking these Ten Commandments and applying it to their lives. But it's a bigger picture there. It's really not just about what each person should or shouldn't do. It is about that, but it's not just about that. The prohibitions are also about not doing the things that disrupt or hinder the shalom, that word again, the shalom, the well-being of the community. It's about the community. So even if we have the freedom to do it, should we do it if it negatively impacts our neighbor? It's a question of ethics. It's about what we ought to do, not just what we can do. So we can look at scripture to get for, 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 for clarity's sake. Let's, let's look at, at the story of Adam and Eve. First, I think the first example of freedom in scripture is in Genesis, Adam and Eve. They've been given the freedom, but they've also been given limitations as well. That's the first thing we should understand about freedom. On earth, freedom always comes with some limitation. Why? Because it's not just about me as an individual. It's about me as an individual in the context of a community. Adam and Eve have the ability or the capacity to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they ought not eat of it. One, because they're commanded not to, but because of the implications it has not just on them, but on creation. They could eat from any, they were free to eat from any tree in the Garden of Eden. That's freedom. They had an abundance of provision. But there was this limitation. This one tree they were not supposed to eat from. And they, they still had the free will choice to eat of it. It wasn't that the tree was blocked where they couldn't get to it. The tree was there, so they had the freedom to eat from it. It's just that they ought not eat from it. And we know what they eventually did. Just because there is prohibition, limits, it does not mean one's freedom is nullified. Limits to freedom are not based on individual desires or, or want to satisfy impulses. It's based on how that so-called freedom affects what? The shalom of the community. So yes, you don't have to wear a mask. But if you want to go into a public space, you must comply with the rules that are in place to prevent the spread of a virus that may cause serious health issues for others even if you don't care what it causes for you personally. 
Now, I get it if you don't trust getting something injected into your body, getting the vaccine injected into your body. I get that that fear or that lack of trust or, or even the convictions. I get it. I understand it. I'm not talking about um, anti-vaxxers. I'm talking about people who seriously have concerns about getting vaccines, uh, something injected in their bodies. They're just a fear, trauma, whatever the case may be. I, I get that. But if you don't want to get, if you aren't willing to get the vaccine, then you should be willing to do what it takes, masking, social distancing, to prevent the spread to others. So when we talk about freedom, I just want us to have clarity, man. I want us to have to, to have a, a real understanding of what we're talking about when, when people are, 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 are screaming about their freedoms are being violated. They're not thinking about their personal choices may infringe upon the freedoms of someone else. Someone else should be free to go into a certain space, a restaurant, a school, a church, what have you. Someone else should have the freedom to go into that space and not be subjected to possibly be possibly getting this virus. And I think that, as a matter of fact, I, I, I strongly believe this, freedom is actually seen more clearly in one's willingness to wear a mask, social distance, or get vaccinated for the sake of public health, rather than being in bondage to selfishness or self-centeredness or pride. I'm going to say it again. Freedom, I believe, is actually seen more clearly in one's willingness to wear a mask, to social distance, or to get vaccinated for the sake of public health. The bondage, the infringement, is in the selfishness or the self-centeredness or the pride that prevents one from doing what's right for the community at no harm to themselves. That bondage is more detrimental to freedom than government mandates. Mandates that have the purpose of protecting the vulnerable in the community. I want to look at one verse that I, that, that's just, just to get some context. There are many verses we can look at. I may look at two verses. But just to get some context. Galatians 5.1, Paul writes. Paul writes quite a bit about freedom in his letters. But Paul writes, for freedom... Christ has set us free. Verse 1. Then in verse 13, 14, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let's unpack that for a second. He gives us the purpose of freedom or a purpose. One could argue a purpose of freedom. But in this verse, here's the purpose. Do not use it as an opportunity for the flesh to act on impulses, desires, to do what I want, feelings, what have you. But through love, serve one another. That's the purpose. You are free to love. You are free to serve. In other words, freedom is more outward 
We should be more outward thinking when we think about freedom, not inward, not about just what I want to do. I should have the freedom to choose and do whatever I want to do. It's personal choice. As if our personal choices aren't going to affect other people. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He links that with freedom in Christ. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Why? Through love, serve one another. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I think it is me loving my neighbor when I put my mask on so that in case I am asymptomatic, I don't pass that on to someone who may have underlying health issues or not. But the virus may take them out or, or, or affect them in ways that it doesn't affect me. But if I love my neighbor, I'm going to consider their well-being. So I wear a mask. Or I'm going to social distance if I don't wear a mask. I'm going to stay at home if I'm, not, if I'm not unwilling to wear a mask. Or get vaccinated. In 1 Peter 2.16, it says, Live as people who are free. What does that mean? Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. In other words, not saying you did what you did, it was evil, it was immoral, it was harmful, what have you. But you have the freedom to do it. That's why you did it. You have the free will choice to do it, as if it justifies it. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. In other words, first, freedom, Paul links, again, outward thinking. Through love, serve one another. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. First Peter 2.16, live as people who are free, living as servants of God. Another outward thinking. I need to be thinking about doing what is best for the community. No harm to me. It doesn't harm me to wear a mask. It doesn't harm me to social distance. It doesn't harm me to comply to the guidelines. But it shows that I love my neighbor. I care about my neighbor's well-being. And I also care about serving God, which, is, which, which manifests or expresses itself in serving others. See, the, past, the, the verses I just shared with you, they link freedom and put freedom in the context of serving or loving or being for the benefit of others beyond myself, not to the detriment of myself. It's not saying sacrifice to the point where the harm is coming to you. No, I'm not saying doing that. do that. But my decision making should also include how does this affect my neighbors? People who I have to share this space with, this building or this even an outside space, this neighborhood, this school, this workspace. How does it affect them? Freedom biblically is about not is about being free from bondage to sinful passions, desires, impulses, attitudes, behaviors, etc. And at the center of that is selfishness. Or pride that triggers these impulses or desires that has my attention focused on me alone or me first. 
but I can't love, serve, or be of benefit to others if I am bound to selfishness and pride. It won't happen. And people conflate these two understandings of freedom, American versus biblical understanding of freedom. And I think it's a detriment to, to our society. People should be the same, that have the same outrage, if not more, than they have about critical race theory being taught in schools. And most of this stuff is coming from church folks. These, the people who are angry about critical race theory should be just as angry, if not more, about the way church folks, politicians, pastors, preachers are using this idea of freedom, conflating this American idea of freedom to do whatever I want. It's personal choice. Not thinking about how that personal choice is affecting others, my neighbor, the community. My co-workers. And here's what, what many people don't want to acknowledge. At the heart of American worldview is this idea of individualism. That's where all this comes from. And for many people, that cannot be compromised or infringed upon. It's an American value that is sacred. Individualism. And individualism fragments the community. Individualism is antithetical to what fosters community. And again, I'm not saying there's no place to protect individual interests. But I'm saying individual interests must be limited to the point where it begins to harm the whole. And that is a, an American, a Western worldview, individualism. So let me reiterate. Freedom is really about being liberated from that which prevents you from loving your neighbor, serving your neighbor, or participating in the shalom, the well-being of the community. Let me say it again. Freedom is really about being liberated from that which prevents you, selfishness, self-centeredness, pride, that which prevents you from loving your neighbor, serving your neighbor, or participating in the shalom of the community. As I was preparing for this podcast episode, I was scrolling through Facebook, Facebook posts um, this week, Maybe maybe it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. And uh, my my good friend, Pastor Chris Robbins, um, he posted something on Facebook that resonated with this episode on freedom. So I want to I want to share it with you. He writes, many Christians misunderstand the concept of freedom in Christ. Jesus didn't lay his life down to make us free to live life however we want. He laid his life down to free us from sin and its consequences. Freedom in Christ is the gift of grace and mercy and reconciliation. And here it is. And it compels the follower of Jesus to lay their lives down as a sacrifice to bring God glory and live putting the good of others before their own. Reflect on that. 
I'm going to read that last part again. Freedom in Christ is the gift of grace and mercy and reconciliation. And it compels the follower of Jesus to lay their lives down as a sacrifice to bring God glory and live putting the good of others before their own. I honestly, when I, when I hear on the news or read posts on social media, even from people that I know well, and I, and I hear this idea of personal freedom, paramount, above all things, personal freedom. And I think about what it is that they're saying. And, I, and as I read Pastor Chris Robbins' post, well, it might be Ke his wife's post because his, the page is Chris and Kyoko Robbins. That's their the, the page. So I guess they share a page. I may be giving the, wrong, the, person, the wrong person the credit. It may be Kyoko, his wife, who wrote that but I'm, I'm i'm sure chris wrote that wrote that particular um post um anyway i think that people don't understand who jesus is those people i think when this misconception of freedom makes me ask the question do they understand who jesus was and what Jesus did. Had Jesus not been free, he would not have given his life for the salvation of humanity. He would have been in bondage to self-preservation. And could have, and, and based on what we're, people were saying today, he is his personal choice. He has the freedom to do it or not. And actually, he did. He had the freedom, the free will choice to disobey God's call on his life. But the true freedom is in the fact that he did it. Not under compulsion, but that he was free to do it because he was not in bondage to self-preservation. Had he been in bondage to self-preservation, he would have ceased being the spotless, sinless Lamb of God. He is the model for freedom for us. And I never hear people talking about that. I don't hear people talking about laying their lives down for a friend, for a neighbor. I never hear that. I only hear about the personal choice to do what's best for them and by extension, their family. The individualism extends to family, individual families. Instead, we should be talking about freedom in the context of liberation for those who are oppressed, marginalized, facing institutional injustices, having to navigate and ultimately resist perpetuated social inequities. This was Jesus' mission, as he stated in Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That was Jesus' mission statement. And I know some people will argue that this verse is talking about freedom from sin. Freedom from the oppression of sin. Sight for those blinded by sin. Yes, that is true. 
But what kinds of sin are we talking about? There is sin in the general sense, the sin of pride, selfishness, as I mentioned, lust, greed, etc. And those can, can express themselves or manifest in, in, in different ways in our lives. But there is also, should be included in this, institutional sin, corporate sin. The institutional sin experienced in social realities designed and controlled by those in power. And, those, and that institutional sin typically affects, adversely affects people of color, women, the poor, no matter what color, the vulnerable in the community, the disabled. And we can go down a list. But that, that institutional sin experienced in social realities designed and controlled by those in power. That's the freedom we should also be passionate about. But that doesn't fit the American narrative. Because then we would have to acknowledge what has long been and still is characteristic about this country. And that doesn't fit the narrative of a great nation. This is what has me tired, disappointed, discouraged, and even angry at times. At times when I'm sitting here reading something that just is just it just ticked me off and I got to talk to myself I got to get those thoughts out of my head and sometimes I'm so upset at what I read especially if it's some, someone that I know I might not be able to read study or write for for a few minutes I may have to take a break I may have to take a walk I may have to watch ESPN and and, and kind of veg out for a bit and, and come down and I'm not saying that that's trauma for me or that's like mental ill, like my, my, um, uh, affecting my mental health. I'm just saying those are moments that are just they're so draining and fatiguing. And, and the collection of all of that over the course of the last 18 months, all of that constantly can affect one's well-being. And so it makes me take a step back from social media, uh, from people who I believed to be friends or at least associates who spew these things on social media, the news, constantly listening to it on the news by politi from politicians and um, people of certain political associations. And I have to unapologetically put, put these boundaries up for my well-being. I pay attention to what's happening in my body. I've learned to do that. Any unpleasant sensations um, heart rate increase, elevated blood pressure. My body's getting warm because I'm, 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 I'm hot. I'm, 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 I'm upset. A sense of anxiety. I pay attention to what's happening in my body. If I have to unfollow people, I unfollow. If I have to unfriend them, I unfriend them. So be it. But I've had to learn through this pandemic, through the last 18 months, really before that, going through some things in my, in my life, but it's been highlighted. It's been... Um, accentuated during this pandemic that I have to put my well-being first, not in a selfish way, but my number one priority is my well-being because I'm no good to serve anybody if I'm not well. 
And so the reason why I'm talking about freedom and leading into a series on mental health and wellness is because the segment of society that makes these claims, that their freedoms are being violated, they're generally the same ones who won't comply with guidelines in order to stop the spread of the virus in the first place. And as long as the virus continues to spread and hospitalize and take the lives of many people, we will have these conditions and mandates, the social distancing, the isolation, the masking, etc. We'll have these conditions that cause an increase in the amount of people struggling with mental health issues. Like we won't get out of this cycle for because of a group of people who believe these things about their personal freedoms. They won't participate in what's best for the community, for the whole. And so we end up in this cycle and it's in this cycle that's causing the increase of who is who are dealing with mental health issues. And, and by the way, don't let social media posts fool you. There are people behind those pictures of people living their best lives. Many of them are struggling. Remember now, I was a pastor for 13 plus years, full time for 13 plus years. And although I'm not operating in that in the church, I'm pastoral. I'm always going to be pastoral. And I still from time to time will talk to people and listen to people. I have those boundaries. I'm not again, I'm not. I need to rest after 13 years and I need to rest. So I have those boundaries, but it happens from time to time. And I hear the stories. I hear what people are struggling with. So don't let those pictures on social media fool you. You know, this is why running is so important to me. Why eating well is so important to me. Why working out, lifting weights is so important to me. Being intentional about wellness. So for the next month or so, I have a series on wellness and mental health. And I say wellness because... I want people I want to talk about the whole person, not just the, the mental aspect of our being, but our emotions, our bodies, our spirituality. They're all integrated. They make they, 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 they're all integrated to make us who we are, not just how we think. And so my hope for this episode is I give you something to think about. I was kind of venting with this, but I also wanted to share um, this idea of freedom. And just put some things in perspective. It wasn't meant to be some deep theological um, talk. I wanted it to be, to make it plain, as some would say, to make it plain. But I hope it gives, a, gives you something to think about when the idea of freedom comes up. And in my opinion, it's been distorted by folks in the church, by those who are educated and behind the pulpit, and those who are not formally trained in theology. It's been perverted by politicians who are using this as talking points just to appease their constituents. I also hope that not only this series, but upcoming the next month or so, I want to encourage you to, to listen in on, and, and, and learn and reflect on and, and take action on your wellness and mental health. I want you to know that if if, if you're struggling, there is help. Maybe somebody's going to say something to put some things in perspective. Maybe someone listening just needs to know that you're not alone. 
You know, I, I shared with some friends of mine, and this is very real. I was grieving. I was struggling. And I was angry for months earlier this year. And I was talking to friends of mine who are white, friends who I love dearly, and I, I believe, I know they love me dearly. And I shared with them that for, for most of my life, I didn't trust white people because of my own personal history, dealing with white folks, racism, my family's history. And those of you who've listened to this podcast, you've, you know, I wrote a book, Open Wounds, and a, and a documentary, Open Wounds, about my family's history, what happened to my grandfather, my people's history. Um, all that stuff caused me to not trust white people. But the last 18 months during this pandemic, and especially on, after January 6th, it caused me to struggle with liking white people. Now, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying, I may have already shared this on a previous episode. I'm not sure. But I'm not saying I hate white people. I'm not saying I have unforgiveness and bitterness towards white people. I'm saying I struggle with liking that, that group. They are individuals who I love dearly, like family. And they know who they are. But it made me reflect on the last six, seven years, six years of my life. It made six or seven years of my life. It made me reflect on that and how some things went down um, when I was going through some, some, some issues and how people handled that, how people treated me in the church. And I started to see my relationships were more transactional because I was a pastor preaching and I, I did something that got people, that caused people to like me or be pleased with me or what have you. But I realized that a lot of people didn't like me because of who I was. They didn't love me because of that. The relationship was transactional. And as soon as I was of no more use, people were done with me. And so I struggled with that. Now, I, I like to think that I'm a pretty resilient person. And I have the resources and I have people in place by the grace of God to help me through things. So I was never truly by myself. I was never truly alone. But I struggled with some, with some things. And during this pandemic, earlier this year, I really struggled with that. And I had to share that. And that became therapeutic for me to be able to have a safe space with white people to share that with. And they understood. And they know my love for them without question. So my hope is that if you're struggling, that when you listen to this series, and it may be something else that's posted on social media or on the news. It may be other things that people are saying that, that you keep hearing over and over again and it just keeps frustrating you and you keep rehearsing it and it's draining, it's tiring and it can weigh on you. And it may not be the thing that causes you to fall into any type of depression, but it may be the thing that triggers because there's something else that may be going on. You get what I'm saying? So my hope is that you realize that you're not alone. And so I want to encourage you to take the steps to improve your well-being. 
I don't care if you run, walk, strength train, yoga, see a therapist, that remove that stigma. I think we all need to see a therapist. It is, it is a wonderful thing to access that. Do what it takes to be well. It is doable. So please take the time to share Intersections, this episode, this podcast with your family and friends. And lastly, as always, I want to thank you for listening and parking with me at the intersection.